Welcome to the Tourism Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, Vanessa Benoun, and the next two episodes will focus on two amazing women who are consistently striving to build a more responsible and sustainable tourism industry. This week, we are welcoming Charlotte Lumenfokels. She's the CEO of Fair Tourism, a foundation based in the Netherlands. So please stay tuned and don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Hi, Charlotte. Welcome to the Tourism Entrepreneur Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me, Vanessa. It's great. It's such a pleasure to finally meet you and learn more about Fair Tourism. In fact, I'd like to take advantage of this opportunity to ask you to help us differentiate Fair Tourism from sustainable or responsible tourism. Because sometimes these three words are used interchangeably, but they don't mean the same thing, right? No, so uh, fair tourism means tourism that is fair for the environment and the people. Uh, so it's really about the three P's, which are fundamentals of the sustainable uh, sustainability, which are people, planet and profit. And I would like to add pleasure also uh, in that. Uh, so have a fourth P because um, tourism should be fun. And uh, nowadays there are so many terms out there. There are regenerative tourism, transformational tourism, experiential tourism, and even nano-tourism. But it all comes down to uh, the terms sustainable and responsible tourism. So there is um, like every kind of tourism that can, can be sustainable. Eh? But um, for example, with mass tourism, uh, it, it could become sustainable in the future, eh? which we hope it will. Um, and, and there are many ways, uh, different ways to create sustainable form of tourism. Uh, it's all about the environment and its biodiversity are conserved and protected. Uh, the local culture is respected and preserved. Yes. Uh, while at the same time creating socioeconomic benefits for the, for the local population as well as for the tourists. So, Tourism really refers to a kind of tourism in which the positive impacts are maximized and the negative uh, impacts are minimized. And Fair Tourism is also the name of the organization you are leading in the Netherlands. You guys have been there for more than 20 years and you've done an amazing job raising awareness about sustainable tourism, about developing community-based tourism projects and more. How did Fair Tourism start? and become the institution it is today. Yeah, so Fair Tourism was set up in 1989 uh, as Reisbewijs. And uh, during my studies at NHTV, I worked as a volunteer for uh, the foundation. And in 2004, um, uh, I was a lecturer at Saxion University, also in the Netherlands. And uh, the board, board told me that they wanted to stop with the foundation. And I, I really wanted to continue with this mission. So. Um, uh, I, yeah, I changed the name to uh, Fair Tourism and made a new website and changed direction because the goal to excite and create awareness on, among consumers, travelers, that was already there since 1989. But I added one of the goals, which is to, um, uh, to, to assist communities with the development of CBT, with community-based tourism. So, um, uh, and we have done so as with the uh, village of Waipukeng in Thailand, Kareni village uh, since 2012. 
So our mission is to assist communities that feel exploited by tourism to make the transition towards community-based tourism. So together we can assess the situation and um, give tourism back to them so it's no longer exploiting but empowering them. And we also want to assist other communities like uh, other show villages in, in Thailand. Um, and and um, for example, the neighboring village of Hawaii Sutao also wants to develop CBT because everyone knows the women uh, wearing the golden colored rings eh, around their necks, but nobody knows their stories. So now it's like, you know, just tourists, they want to make pictures. They just want to see them, gawk at them and uh, Already nine years ago, I thought about this and I was like, can it be different? Can it be developed in a different way? And it surely can. Um, so we worked with the village of Waipukeng, uh, transitioning towards CBT. Um, um, because it's our mission to tell their stories and to excite people to go to Mehong Son, uh, who, who most people have never heard of, this beautiful uh, province, uh, the most mountainous region of Thailand, nearly 90% uh, pristine nature, uh, and explore this magical province and also make their way to Hwai Pukeng. So uh, since my studies at NHTV, where I learned about sustainable tourism, I knew that this was my, this is my passion. And in my fourth year, I did my thesis on the feasibility of CBT in Kerala, India. I knew then and there that I want to focus my career on this to bring tourists and locals together. Uh, because it can lead to mutual understanding and respect and it's often the highlight uh, of a holiday. Tourism can even lead to more peace in the world. It's such a powerful industry to do good, uh, but only if it's done sustainably. So uh, then tourism can lead to poverty alleviation, nature protection, nature protection. And I want to encourage everyone to connect with locals during their holiday, because it can really be a transformational and life-changing experience. Thanks, Charlotte, for, for giving us a clearer idea of what fair tourism is. Before we jump to the communities you just mentioned, I'd like to talk about unfair practices, which are actually common in the industry. Most people engage in those activities without knowing they are actually doing more harm than good. I was one of them. Um, at Kamarut, we were advertising tours involving cup petting and walking with predators. And I didn't know at the time it was wrong until I watched um, a documentary that actually opened my eyes to the danger of such tours. So what are some of the activities you guys at Fair Tourism frequently witness and try to eradicate? Yeah, so for example, like uh, tourists that uh, make pictures of local people without asking permission, um, going far too close to the local people and making a picture, coming into their space. I've seen that with my own eyes. Uh, even uh, somebody who wanted to make a picture of a small of a child that had tribal clothing and just positioning it in a way to make that picture. I was like, these are human beings, treat them with respect. We are all equal in our unique sense of way. And that was really a, a terrible sight. But also what you're mentioning about cup petting and you know the, the Kent hunting industry, very big in South Africa, where you're based. Um, but you also have the human wildlife conflict in other countries, like you have them in South Africa as well, but also in countries like Kenya, uh, the indigenous people like Maasai, they cannot herd their cattle in these national parks. They are even resettled because of tourism development. Um, 
so um, they were resettled in the name of conservation, but locals need to be involved in nature and wildlife protection because otherwise it's not sustainable. They have lived in nature with wildlife for thousands of years, their ancestors, and now the locals are the enemy. Uh, this is a very detrimental way of thinking um, that does more harm to nature and wildlife than good. It's a really a neo-colonialist way of thinking. And uh, in the case of Waipukeng in Thailand, the locals live in good harmony with nature. They live in a national park, actually. They have to ask permission to, uh, to cut trees. They can only cut like bamboo and other smaller trees, but the big trees, no, not allowed. Um, and in Thailand, the Department of National Parks, Wildlife and Plant Conservation is yeah, very strict with nature protection. Uh, they can do some agriculture uh, and that has been very important for their livelihoods in this pandemic because tourism is like non-existent for so long already. So we, they really depend on agriculture for their, for their livelihood. So when tourists can come visit again, they have this very, yeah, they have a very beautiful tradition to plant trees on Mother's Day. Uh, and tourism, they, they really want to do these activities also with tourists. And then tourists can join them to plant trees. How fun is that? And they also have in the, in the, in the uh, how do you say, in the rainy season, the farming season, they have this tradition to attract uh, edible insects with a stick, with put flower on them, and then they attract this insect. So if you are not faint hearted, you can uh, eat also these insects if you want to try. You know, they're really, uh, it's very exciting uh, to join with that. And uh, yeah. Oh. Okay, I don't know. I don't know about the insects, but I think uh, that's great. And I really think the situation is slowly but surely improving. And I hope more people will get to understand how the behavior impacts the environment and the communities. Talking about communities, you guys at Fair Tourism are big on community-based tourism. You are working closely with them. So what does your work entail? So we work with the Kareni people. Uh, they are they have like all these subgroups, like the 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 Kareni people, like the Kayan bears with the golden the brass rings. Then you have the Kayor, the Red Karen, the Pakayor, and they are all live in Huaypugeng. Um They are originally from Myanmar, so they fled uh, the civil war in the 80s and 90s. How current is that today? Yeah, with the situation in Myanmar, so it's so. Um, yeah, current again, it's terrible what's happening there. But um, in the refugee camps, they got these three options by the government. Resettle to other countries like the Netherlands, Finland, Australia, also other countries. Uh, stay in the refugee ca camp with no freedom of movement. So you have to like, it's like, yeah, you basically have to stay there. Um, or move to villages open to tourism. And most of the uh, Kareni people decided this uh, uh, because the governments recognized them with their beautiful uh, adorned dress and their rings around their neck and they were like okay this could be a tourist attraction um so um they have these three original kareni villages huaypukeng huaysutau and naisoi um and this is in the province in mehongson bordering myanmar uh, but it's uh, a bit further to reach so around the year of 2008 uh, many um uh, businessmen, they opened commercial show villages near Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, Pattaya, Phuket. 
that tourists pay an entrance fee to see the Kayan so that they don't have to travel all the way to Meongsong. But this was like the, 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 this is the reason why tourism dwindled to Meongsong because the, the, the Kayan were the main reason for tourists to visit. So um, it's not a good development. And um, um, so, but the, the, there are a lot of reviews out there about these show villages saying, uh, that you know they feel like a voyeurist it's like a human zoo they're not learning anything about their culture they say don't go there it's just a marketplace uh, but you know not going there is not the answer um, since it, it will take away their income and there is an alternative and Hwai Pukeng is showing that with the CBT so Hwai Pukeng is now the first and only Kareni village that made this transition towards CBT and we are very excited that neighboring Huaisutao wants to also follow in their footsteps. We did research on that. And it's important to that Huaipuken and Huaisutao work together because they should not compete. As the tourism to Meihongson is very little um, pre-COVID, uh, they should collaborate. They should offer one community-based tourism pro products. You can make also a beautiful hike around two hours, two and a half hour through the hilly jungle uh, to visit uh, uh, to go from Hwai Sutao to Hwai Pukeng or other way around. And uh, CBT is really for and by locals. So like fair tourism is only assisting them, but it's their project, their village, their lives. And we're really happy um, that Hwai Pukeng made this transition towards her CBT and all the activities that Hwai Pukeng offers like wood carving, weaving, making things from bamboo, making a bracelet or a ring. These are activities they want the activities they want to do with tourists and they have created them themselves and they are activities that are already part of their lives. So they are doing these activities already uh, uh, like ancient crafts from passed on from from generation to generation. And uh, we have established partnerships with DMCs, like the tour companies in Thailand, but also the, the, the their overseas agents in like the Netherlands, like tour companies like Shoestring, Better Places, Footprint Travel, Fox and Savadi. And we hear back from their clients, from feedback, that visiting Hwai Pukeng and doing these workshops are one of the highlights of their trip. And it's so great that tourists can enjoy these local activities now and it improves the experience for both the host and the guest by 100%. That's and training, uh, I, in 2019, I visited Hwai Pukeng to give training and I really asked them, what are you proud of to the local villagers? What do you want to share with tourists? And uh, they made this whole full list of activities. If you're interested, please go to our website, look for the main project and we have the flyer there. You can see what you can do in Hwai Pukeng. And I think, you know, who can tell the stories better uh, than the Kareni themselves? Uh, yeah, if you are planning a visit to Hwai Pukeng in the future, the villages in Hwai Pukeng like uh, Aimuang and Peyu, they can guide you and tell you unknown stories and show you unknown places in the village. And you, you, can, lear, you can learn from not only Kayan, but also all the other, other Kareni subgroups. They have all these different cultures. Also Taiyai, that's an ethnic group from Thailand, also live there. They have so amazing stories they can tell you. Uh, and also, they can also show you unknown places because 99.9% of all the uh, visitors, they stay on this one street where they sell the souvenirs, but they can go to explore to 
like side streets from this main street. They can go, walk five minutes and, and be in, uh, uh, or no, not even five minutes, one minute and go to the Kareni New Year site, which will be celebrated uh, this uh, 19th until 21 of April. Their biggest celebration, their Kareni New Year festival is, is, is based on their belief on animism. Um, and uh, other way you can walk five minutes to walk towards the jungle and to really be surrounded by nature and don't hear any sound completely silent where do you still have that in the world that's so special and and the good thing is that Hoipokeng is very close-knit community so there's no violence in this uh, town where 200 people live it's next to the river Pai uh, it's also interesting that I I want to organize a cleanup with them and then I, I was there uh, to give the training in 2019 and then they said I asked them one night shall we organize a cleanup uh, tomorrow and they said uh, yes and we they all came together in one one hour we, we, we cleaned the whole village we all uh, it was so um, um, like it was from children to older people uh, we removed all the trash in the village I think like we as west like yeah as westerners like me as a westerner we can learn from this because we have such an individual individualistic culture and so we can learn from this collectivist culture helping each other and getting things done so that's really uh, amazing yeah wow that is so exciting i want to witness that i want to go to waipukeng i hope i will one day because it sounds wonderful in the meantime, I'm here and I'm not done with Africa yet. So uh, there's still so many things to see and people to meet. Charlotte, I know most of your projects with indigenous communities are in Asia, but I'd really like to get your perspective on fair tourism in Africa. So in Africa, uh, I uh, do want to work also in, in Africa, for example, in Kenya, we are, yeah, and, and we are now setting up projects or uh, researching projects in Kenya, Tanzania and Australia. I was born in Kenya, so it's very close to my heart. Yeah, I'm really, I'm like African, yeah. Uh, I've been back many times to Kenya, Tanzania, and now uh, one of the students, Faya, she's doing her thesis research on the CBT opportunities in communities in Maasai villages like Twala Tenebo and Namayana. And another student, Tilda, is doing similar research in the Maasai village of Metandika. And um, uh, I've even set up, uh, many years ago, I've set up an exchange project to uh, Kenya. I want to uh, involve, to uh, have Kenyan students from Kenyan universities and students from Dutch universities to get together to solve the issues that the local people were not involved in tourism in Kenya um, because tourists were going from Kudio shop to Lodge to National Park and there was no interaction with locals. So that was such a missed opportunity um, because having meaningful encounters with locals can really change, transform your life. And I, I have to say we didn't, we couldn't uh, organize this exchange because there was the, the violent riots in, uh, in Kenya uh, um, uh, after the elections in 2008. So we had to cancel, uh, but it was really sad. So I can still, I still want to organize that, but Kenya is doing better in CBT development and it's going better, which is great. And there are so many CBT initiatives in so many countries. Um, I have the feeling that Thailand and South Africa are the pioneers in CBT. They have the, the most CBT initiatives all around the world from the other countries. Uh, I was very lucky to visit South Africa uh, in uh, February of 2019. I visited Cape Town, I visited uh, 
Magikwe National Park on the border on the north. I visited, uh, I, I have to say, if you go to South Africa, please visit my, my friends Daniele, Freddy, and Lorraine in Goedverwacht, which is a community one and a half hours north of Cape Town. Um, it's very interesting uh, uh, to learn about their lives and, um, uh, and, and, um, um, uh, and also, really, if you are going to Mehongson, you can meet my friends Aimuang, Peyu, Mio Kin, Maja, Mave, and Madan, and many more, because that's the unique thing of CBT. You make new friends around the world. I'm still ha having WhatsApp contact with my, with Daniele in Goedverwacht and, and, and with, uh, with my Kayan friends uh, also. It's really fantastic uh, that, that, that you have like lifelong friends uh, because of it. Hmm. And from the way you, you talk about the people you've met and work with, I understand CBT is about people and making genuine connection, which I think so many people will look for when we all start traveling again in the future. And I'd like to ask you, Charlotte, how, according to you, can we make tourism more sustainable and fair in the future? Yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful that tourism has changed over the years. Uh, when I started my career in 2002, uh, sustainable tourism had a very alternate, alternative image. They were like, what are you going to work on? It was so not, you know, nobody was doing that. So I, I'm really excited now that sustainable tourism is becoming mainstream. And, and every day I learn about new organizations and working towards CBT and sustainable tourism. And we have momentum now. And my dream is that no people are exploiting tourism anymore eh, around the world. And we have a long way to go. But with uh, this momentum and also with my ever-growing, super enthusiastic team, I know we can achieve this. Um, we are also working towards the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, like reducing inequality, because um, in CBT also the men can work in tourism and the women like the Kareni, Kayan women are not longer used as a tourism attraction, but they are equally working. Um, uh, you know, men and women can teach tourists the skills that they have. Uh, you can uh, weave a scarf or make a bracelet. It, and you know, it's harder than you think. If you see them weaving a scarf or making a bracelet, you think, oh, piece of cake. But if you try it yourself, you're like, wow, this is hard, this is precise work. Uh, you get more respect for the villagers. Um, and also the thing is, if you don't meet with the local people, you uh, feel like uh, they are very different from you. But if you get to know them, you learn that maybe their life is different, but they all have human struggles like you. Uh, we are all humans, we all have this, you know, struggles and emotions and things we have to deal with. Uh, so you get the feeling like instead of uh, uh, them versus us, we, you get the feeling of we as a team, which is really fantastic. Um, also, uh, regardless of the branch within tourism they, uh, that you're working on, prioritize responsible tourism over financial profit as much as possible and it, that is much more fulfilling to work on good causes instead of for financial gain only. Uh, yeah, I want to inspire people to do their part as the world needs it. There's so much work to do. Think about climate change as well as animal and human welfare and try to stay updated on the latest trends, developments in tourism. Sustainability is really the future and um, uh, because no industry can last forever unless it's sustainable. And regenerative tourism goes even a step further. Um, also, uh, 
you know, every form of tourism should be sustainable and CBT is one of these types of tourism that is sustainable by heart, which is really great. Yeah. And there's one thing that you said, you say tourism, um, fair tourism, sustainable tourism is, is going mainstream. More and more people want to join in. So um, how can anyone interested join the Fair Tourism Foundation initiative? Yeah. So uh, this year we have like an exponentially big group of students. We are a team of 16 people wow. uh, and we're and counting because we're, you know, new students are uh, starting with their thesis from, uh, from, from April, end of April. Uh, I think because uh, this time uh, internship and thesis are scarce due to the COVID-19 crisis. Um, so if there are students around the world uh, they want to do their internship or thesis, can be in South Africa, can be around the world. They're really welcome to, to do their online uh, remote internship or thesis for us. We always have work. We have loads of work on our hands. Um, um, uh, you can also work as a volunteer if you want to do that next to your other work. Uh, we have work in marketing, social media, funding, becoming a social enterprise as we want to do that, assisting Hoi Pukeng and other communities. Yeah, and I'm really thankful and proud of my ever-expanding team. Uh, it really inspires me to work with uh, all of all of them and thankful for all, all their endeavors and dedication. Also, since 2002, I have been assisting educational institutions to develop courses, study materials on sustainable tourism, destination management, CBT. Uh, furthermore, furthermore, I've developed study trips to unknown regions like in Poland and Croatia. And I give uh, numerous guest lectures also online. So if you're interested in, in this work, just contact me via the website and uh, I can help you further because uh, that's really my passion to do that. And I, that's what, what the COVID uh, times have learned to me is that I can give classes now all around the world, which is really fantastic. Uh, of course, nothing beats the real thing to be in a classroom with the students, to having a real life, uh, but it can also be Online, you can have so much tools like Kahoot or other tools that you can have a discussion with with the students and inspire them also to work in sustainable tourism and to do something good for the world. Yeah. Mm, wow. Thanks again, Charlotte, for your time and precious insight. I really hope we'll have you back with us uh, in the near future. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really uh, great uh, to uh, that I could be on your podcast and. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully next soon, yeah. Okay, thanks for joining us. That's it for today. Guys, for more information, please visit fairtourism.nl. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and join our community on tourismentrepreneur.com. See you next week. <laughs>